if I know how to hack flow, I don't require a substance or a technology to put myself in a state of peak performance. I've done more psychedelics than anybody I can think of. And uh, <laughs> I'm not a huge psychedelic fan. I've learned very little. And this is where this is where I think things have gotten massively irresponsible. These are fantastic substances for amplifying creativity and insight. But when you come down, what you learned is the starting point for research. It is not grounds to change your life. When you take these substances, your prefrontal cortex turns off, right? Your sense of self right. disappears. Right. What's really strange is when it turns back on and your self comes back, your ego, which has been turned off, suddenly comes back magnified. You, the experiences you have are so authoritative and mm. singular, you come back thinking God is talking specially to you and you have a message for people. Oh, wow. I learned this really cool thing when I was tripping and now I'm going to leave my wife and move to Peru and find my consciousness by doing ayahuasca every day for six months. No, no, really no, not going to do that. Not a wise idea. What I'm seeing now is just like ridiculous irresponsibility and just a lot of people doing drugs and calling it consciousness work or peak performance work or whatever. And they're just doing drugs. Okay, you guys, so we're here with Stephen Kotler, flow expert, New York Times bestselling author. And this is actually one of my favorite tips from him. This is one of my favorite parts of the conversation because he gets into a controversial topic, psychedelics. And there's couple different camps with psychedelics, right? Either people do them, they love them, their lives have been transformed by them, or people are completely just turned off. Now, the good side of this is that a lot of people with PTSD, soldiers, people with past trauma, that their traditional therapy hasn't worked, have tried and tested some psychedelics in a controlled environment with professionals around and had amazing results to help them grow and recover. And the other side, there is a very dark side to psychedelics that a lot of people that are pro-psychedelics aren't talking about. And Stephen and I get into this conversation. Actually, you probably heard in the hook, um, Stephen isn't the biggest fan of psychedelics because of various reasons and the, the studies that he has done. But one thing that both him and I had noticed is that it becomes almost cult, cultish or cult-like the psychedelic world. Here you have something that was designed to be a medicine and that is supposed to be a medicine nowadays, but a lot of psychedelics, if they come from these tribes in the Amazon or native regions around the world, they were designed, designed to be a medicine and not a drug. So if you go to the Amazon, if you go to, to Peru, if you go to Colombia, you'll, the shamans call and the locals call ayahuasca medicine, not a drug. And what's happened is, you know, a bunch of people have gotten, uh, have tried uh, psychedelics and gone to the spirit world and, and made it kind of a drug. And then all of a sudden they think they're inspired by the universe to, you know, share it with the world and they take it over the top. And, and one really interesting point that Stephen points out is he says that when you use psychedelics, what you do is you actually turn off your prefrontal cortex. The prefrontal cortex is the manager of your brain, the brakes of your brain that says, don't do this or do this. So during psychedelics, that turns off. You tap into other areas of the brain, which is very inspiring. You see some things, you get some visions, which helps does help a lot of people. But then when you come back and the psychedelics wear off, the, the prefrontal cortex 
boost back up, and that's where the ego is is housed, boost back up and it's stronger than ever. So then you all of a sudden your ego is boosted and you start to make life decisions that could that aren't always the best choices for people in the long term. So he gives a really good argument about this that I had understood from my experiences and I'm glad that he is on the same page with me because there's a lot of people that are just 100% pro psychedelics or 100% no. And I think there's a middle ground. I think there's a spot where you can say, all right, in a controlled in a controlled setting, if somebody's truly having troubles with PTSD or past trauma and they can't figure out how to get over that in a controlled setting with a professional that knows what they're doing, it's okay to try these substances to help open their brains and emotions to recover. Here's something that's really interesting. One of the doctors that we have a partnership with when we do brain scans does the reading for these brain scans. So we have a high-end brain scanner that does EEG, cognitive, HRV, P300 test. It's FDA approved. It's one of the top of the line brain scanners. So when we use this with our clients and our customers and we send the brain scans off to the doctor. Now he's read brain scans based on those brain scans. He can tell you whether psychedelics would be appropriate medication for you or not. And he was reading through this one brain scan and I remember real vividly. And he said, this person doesn't need psychedelics. Look, you see how their emotional receptors are opened up. And ironically, that same person tried psychedelics in the past and didn't have that great of an experience with it. So it's really interesting to see. uh, And I love this perspective because it's a very neutral middle ground, even though Steven says he's not necessarily the biggest fan of psychedelics. But if they can really help people, then that's some therapy that they should test out. So. Let's hop into it, you guys. Stephen Kotler, New York Times bestseller, flow state expert. Here, the pros and the cons of psychedelics. I know this is something you talk about, but also something you're passionate about and you've done a lot of research in. And, and you talked about this as well in Stealing Fire, which uh, was my favorite book I read in 2018, by the way. Thank um, you. That's nice of you to say. Yeah, it was an amazing book. So the future of psychedelics and consciousness expanding technologies and um, this is something that I, I b- battle with, but I know that I think you said this in Stealing Fire or quoted this in Stealing Fire. Tim Ferriss said that um, the billionaires from San, from you know, San Francisco and the Bay Area that he interacts with, very few have few of them have ever experienced or ever uh, very few of them have not um, done some psychedelics and they do that to expand their consciousness, to, um, look for different ways to create two, uh, new technology and solve problems and this sort of thing. I've also heard, I, I think his name is Dr. Daniel Amen, who is also a neuroscientist as well. Talk a lot about the effects, uh, and he's done like some 90,000 brain scans, the effects of different drugs and and uses of alternative substances on our minds and how they've damaged damaged the brain over the years and why he doesn't touch any of those so i'm curious to hear your aspect of it and in your thought like where's the boundary for that you know i know it's played a in, in major role because even guys like steve jobs i think he Dropped some acid in the seventies, which helped build a map, which helped you know get ideas to build Apple. And he told Bill Gates that he should have done some drugs too. So, 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 what's your thoughts on that, Stephen? 
So I, I'm not uh, I'm not qualified to comment on uh, Dr. Amen's work. Uh, I really I, I don't I don't know much about it. I've heard about it, but I don't know okay. much about his work, so I can't comment at all on that. Um, I have a research partnership with Robin Cart Harris's lab at Imperial College in London, where they've done kind of all the foundational fMRI studies on oh this is what psilocybin does to the brain. This is what LSD. This is what DMT. This is what MDMA does to the brain. Um, and uh, we are doing the very first comparative study between flow and psychedelics. Um, okay. And uh, just uh, really basic level stuff. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I don't know. You, your question went all over the place. Let yeah, me sorry start about that. By <laughs> say, let me start by saying I'm not a huge psychedelic fan. I think okay. MDMA is phenomenal as a relationship tune-up drug, as a drug that allows you to feel intimacy and love at a really deep level. And I think, you know, I find it can be periodically useful. Uh, I, I've done more psychedelics than anybody I can think of. And uh, <laughs> I've learned, I've learned very little. I, you know, I, so I'm, so I always, and I always tell people, and this is where this is where I think things have gotten massively irresponsible. Yes, you can use these are fantastic substances uh, for amplifying creativity and insight and those sorts of things. But when you come down, what you learned is the starting point for research. It is not grounds to change your life. Like. Oh, wow. I learned this really cool thing when I was tripping and now I'm going to leave my wife and move to Peru and find my consciousness by doing ayahuasca every day for six months. Right? Like, point. no, no, really. No, not going to do that. Not a wise idea. Starting point for further research and inquiry, not reasons to change your life. What started out as interesting with psychedelics has now gotten gussied up with all kinds of nonsense and everybody's a shaman healer <laughs> wants to take me on an ayahuasca yeah. cacao serum. Fuck you. <laughs> God, shut up. You're a guy on drugs wearing funny clothes. Yeah. Really? I, so like, I'm really like, they are fantastic substances for healing certain things, for therapy. They can be useful for triggering creativity. Um, they need to be, they, they either need to be respected or you just need to know, man, you're just a hedonist doing a lot of drugs. So like all the other rules that apply when you're a hedonist doing a lot of drugs should apply here, right? Like I just, it's, it's massively overhyped. And I, you know, I, at the Flow Research Collective, we we very clearly are, we do this one study with Imperial College, but I, I'm interested in the neurobiology of flow. And the main reason is this. If I know how to hack flow, I don't require a substance or a technology to put myself in a state of peak performance. And I don't, like I've been in a lot of situations where I have to perform my absolute best or I'm going to die and I didn't have time to, oh, hold on, let me take this drug and let's let it take effect. And but do you happen to have any ask? You know what I mean? Like, no, yeah. that sounds like a bad idea to me. <laughs> so um, for a lot of reasons, like I'm passionate about those substances, but I just, they bring out very fuzzy headed thinking. You know, Robin Card Harris, who we work with, says that they're really good because they shake the snow globe. 
And that's the point. Like they really do. They scramble the brain. They fire. They make all kinds of new connections and they really exhaust your brain. So there's a refractory recovery period built in on the back end and it's a vacation from reality. And when you are really stuck, when you are really burnt out, what you actually need is a profound shift of consciousness to reset. You need that vacation from reality. You can get it through taking a vacation in Hawaii. You can get it through taking a – there's lots of options, right? Psychedelics are just one. Um, I'm not I'm, – I, I, what I'm seeing now is just like ridiculous irresponsibility and just a lot of people doing – doing drugs and calling it like consciousness work or peak performance work or whatever. And they're just doing drugs. Yeah. And yeah, I, 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 you know what I mean? Like I take drugs and I'm a little dumber and a little flirtier. And that's like, <laughs> I, you know what I mean? Like I, I, you, some people take drugs and they talk to Norse gods. I don't have that experience. So I can't speak to that experience. I'm just like, you know, flirtier and dumber than normal, <laughs> which is, you know, not particularly pleasant. So I try not to do it in public. Uh, I'm I'm really glad you mentioned that because I've I've noticed this overhype, especially you know things like ayahuasca and and people say, oh, I need to go to the, the Amazon and find myself again. And and I lived in Peru for seven months, and I <laughs> did um I did three. I went to the Sacred Valley and did three ayahuasca ceremonies. And um, and come the on, they're not one, ceremonies. You're doing drugs uh, in the jungle. Just <laughs> doing drugs in the jungle. Okay, that's what Start I did. There. Yeah, and and. I uh, was going to go back and I was going to do a fourth one. But one thing it, a lot of people don't talk about when you hear all the hype about this is the dark side of it. And so the reason why I actually went to the village to do a fourth one and I had knots on in my stomach and, and I was, you know, just kind of sweating and I just was thinking, you know, this is a bad idea. But the reason that all came up is because a few weeks before in the north of Peru, um, some guy stuck a feather in his hat, called himself a shaman, and he used to give people ayahuasca and then go watch TV. Well, a kid that was like 19 years old came down and he was on, I think, pres prescription medication. He and, and he had ayahuasca while he was on his medication, taking his medication, and he died. And then the shaman and the shaman's assistant buried the kid's body. And, and there's things like this that happen in that world. And, and when people have this overhype about stuff like this, you know, you're going to find God, you're going to find consciousness. And that being said, some people have ex really gotten amazing benefits out of it, but nobody's talking about the dark side of the things that, that, it, that can really seriously affect somebody's life into death. Yeah. And then I mean, it's, um, there's a, there's a, there's a, creepy underbelly to all this stuff. And there always has been. Um, yeah. <laughs> and um, the drug, I mean, you know, going all the way back to William James, you know, we talk about it in stealing fire, but one of the things, you know, you're, when you, when you take these substances, your prefrontal cortex turns off, right? Your sense of self right. disappears. Right. What's really strange is when it turns back on and your self comes back, your ego, which has been turned off, suddenly comes back, magnified right you the experiences you have are so authoritative and mm. singular you come back thinking god is talking specially to you and you have a message for people right and um and everybody has that experience right, right. and i'm I, I so i see a lot of that like you know people with really crazy egos for reasons i'm not i i don't quite understand yeah um, 
Yeah, and then they get addicted to it, right? They get addicted well, to it. Well, none that of those. So psychedelics are non-addictive. But in an emotional way, you know, they they think they need that in order to get X, Y, or Z. Well, so first of all, let's be clear. Okay. If you need that to get X, Y, or Z, if that's right, if that's if that is what works for you, fantastic. Do more, like more power to you, right? Just you, you just need to all these things. It's it's not either or. It's we have to when you're working with flow, you have to be just as careful. Flow is underpinned by five of the most potent pleasure drugs the brain can produce. When we do studies we find that people prefer flow to every other experience on earth, period. These are incredibly potent and addictive and powerful states. Why do you get a 500% boost in motivation and flow? Because of addictive neurochemistry. But if you have a high flow job, say you've you know, launched startups are filled with flow and you know, suddenly your startup stabilizes and it's not as flowy as before, there's a big crash on the back end, right? You're mm-hmm. addicted to this thing that you suddenly can't get more of. When Navy SEALs come off, stop being SEALs, when professional action adventure sport athletes stop being action adventure sport athletes, the drop is very, very hard. And it's not just, you're not just coming off like pleasure drugs, flow, um, and there's copious amounts of research on this. It doesn't really correlate so much to happiness. What it really correlates to is meaning and overall life satisfaction. So uh, one of the reasons we have such difficulty with soldier suicide is they're very high flow jobs um, mm-hmm. with a lot of meaning made amplified by flow and people come back into their regular lives and all that meaning goes away and all that addictive neurochemistry goes away and you've got suicide. Yeah. That's right. That's what, that's where it goes. Um, so all this stuff, I always say that like nobody wants to talk about this out loud because they don't like these terms, but like when we're talking about a habit, right? The foundation of all high performance is habits. Habits are just addictions, right? All you've done when you've got a really great habit is you've automatized a process and you've underlaid it with addictive neurochemistry. So you're compelled to do it. That's a habit. We function by addiction. Anything in life is addiction management. And nobody likes talking about that because it's tricky and scary and complicated and, and, and real life adult stuff. And, it, and it's hard to legislate around that stuff and it's hard to think about it and it requires a lot more responsibility, but that's just our biology. Do you think psychedelics are something that, that's going to be continued to use and you think there'll be more leniency in the future? I and, think they're, fe- that- they're phenomenal. I mean, first of all, on the therapeutic side, they are cures for incurable conditions, right? right. I mean, the FDA has fast-tracked MDMA uh, and psilocybin for treatment of PTSD in soldiers. They fast-tracked it for treatment of depression and anxiety. This is one out of 10 Americans suffering yeah. those conditions, right? This is, so we're seeing, this is all, on the therapeutic side, very, very mainstream. On the high-performance side, that's still to come. But we are also, I mean, you know, what's going to happen in the future? So this is low-hanging fruit for both AI and quantum computing is drug discovery. It's what these technologies are built for. They're great at it. We are also, as you know from reading Stealing Fire, building 3D chemical printers. Lee Cronin is building one in mm-hmm. Scotland, the University of Scotland, or Glasgow, I think. Um, and th- so this is, a, it's a chemistry set, right? It, it, it starts with the periodic table and it can print you any 
molecule you want, any chemical you want. Synthetic biology is giving us the same capabilities from a different way in. My point is that like, you know, this is no longer backyard chemistry. This is, I, you know, we have, everybody's got a, 2018 or smartphone or future has AI chips already built in. So like you can do this stuff on your smartphone. You go to Rigetti Computing and there's a quantum computer. Uh, you can download their interface and suddenly you can be doing drug discovery on their quantum computer and we've got a 3D drug printer that's a couple years away. If you don't think we're going to be using this to create all kinds of new consciousness exploring psychedelics, you're out of your mind. And I'm really excited. We're going to learn some amazing, amazing, amazing things about the human mind we could not learn any other way, which is not to say there won't be absolute disasters along the way. <laughs> okay, guys, so that's a wrap. What camp are you in, pro-psychedelics, anti-psychedelics, or are you willing to have the conversation and meet in the middle ground? Let us know about your experiences with it. And as always, if you like what you're hearing and want to make sure you don't miss any of these tips, please subscribe, leave us a review, and share it with your friends. See you on the next episode.